the Business Buzz Podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VowFM 88.1. The time has just gone by 1 after 6 p.m., which means it's time for us to give you your weekly dose of uh, business and economics news right here on the Business Buzz. My name is Mudeo Mob Justice Kawaz, and I'm joined in studio by my partner in crime, Ms. Slingiwe Zondo. How are you, Slingiwe? I'm good, thanks you, Mudeo. How are you doing? No, 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 I'm all right. I wish the people could, uh, you know, see into the studio. I feel like VowFM needs to invest in some video Oh, my God. Because Sling was sporting a, a different look for us today, you know. So you know, shout out, we see you. Oh, but you, you're a lot. Uh, but anyway, how you been? How how was your week? No, the the, the week was a really uh, productive week. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was uh, filled with a lot of good moments. Yeah. Some of them uh, with sharing, some of them not. But uh, it's been a good week overall. How's your week been? No, no, no. My week has been good. Yeah. I feel like I need to put Slangy on the spot just one more time because you know if you haven't already you know seen this Slangy was actually in some Instagram ads I just need to oh you know, put, put Jesus <laughs> what do you no 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 today bro today bro they must know they must know I, I feel like the show is not an intellectual property today it's huh? on Slangy was on uh, but anyway, yes, today's show is around uh, the issue of intellectual property. Uh, we're going to be discussing what intellectual property is, why is it important, uh, but specifically we're going to be looking at it as it pertains to the creative industry. Uh, we're talking to creatives, you know, the artists, your musicians, trying to find out what is this intellectual property thing about. Uh, we hear about royalties, trademarks, um, copyrights and the like. Uh, how do you get the protections and is it something that is actually a thing in uh, South Africa? So that's how our show is going to be looking. Uh, we're going to be talking to two creatives and then we're going to be talking to a lawyer who specializes in intellectual property. Otherwise, that's uh, how the show is going to go. And then after that, uh, we before that, sorry, we are going to be getting into our business Rap. We have uh, Zanele Kunene from BDO uh, Wealth Advisors who's going to be giving us the week's top trending business and economics news. And then followed by Tlingi uh, Wezondo who's going to be letting us know what your 100 rand can actually do for you out there in the intellectual property market. Otherwise, you can keep in touch with us and let us know uh, if you are an artist, if you're a musician, you know, are you registering your, your works, your music, your art um, with uh, the appropriate bodies? Uh, you can let us know on social media otherwise if you're not an artist do you even know what a copyright is <laughs> <laughs> do you know just now we heard from Kay that she actually got an in a copyright violation from an Instagram live mm. video so you know it's 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 going to be affecting us in, in a lot of big ways I think how can people be getting in touch with us our listeners can find us on Voice of Vets FM 88.1 and on the following social media platforms. On Facebook, we are Vow FM Voice of Vets and Vets Radio Academy. On Twitter, they can find us at the handle at Vow FM and our hashtag is Business Buzz. On WhatsApp, we can be found on 084-078-4912. And they can also stream the station live on www.vowfm.co.za. And they can also find our podcasts of the show on www.vits.journalism.co.za slash business. So make sure you keep it locked. We're here until about 7 p.m. On the other side of this, we get into our business wrap. The, the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you the uh, week's top trending business and economics news. On the line, we are joined by our financial expert. We have Zanele Kunene, who is from BDO Wealth Advisors. How are you, Zanele? Oh, Madiwa, I'm so, so excited, hey? We had the job <laughs> summit today. Yeah. And we're having it again tomorrow. And the reason why I'm excited about this conference is because they have 25 actionable plans. Yeah. Because, you know, we usually have, like, all these conferences, but nothing happens from them. We have, like, planning, 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 but no implementation. So now I'm, like, excited because there's an immediate action that will happen. It must happen. So they said it must happen. 
So I'm excited about that. <laughs> so can you just give us a roundup for, for those that might be living underneath the cave and aren't uh, particularly aware that there's a job, that there's a job summit going on? Um, what's actually going on? Who is attending? And then uh, what are some of the key results and figures that have come out of this? Um, so the people that are attending is our amazing person, Drama Posta, as well as other delegate, um, delegates and other private people who uh, I'm so sorry, people who uh, businesses, business leaders as well are also going to be there. So what's happening right now, let's just look, is that the unemployment rate of South Africa, we are currently at about 27.2%. Um, and the problem with that is that is that 9.6 no, 9.6 no, 9.6 million um, South Africans or people who reside in our country are unemployed. And the worrying stat about that is that about 38% of that 9.6 million are young people. Um, so that's like a huge number of young people who could be contributing within the economy that are not doing so. Um, so one of the aims of the of the entire um, summit is that one of the future aims is that they'd like to reduce the unemployment rate to about 14 percent by 2020 and 6 percent by 2030. So, Mudu, I'm asking you: uh, Do you think it's possible? Can we can we reach 6 percent by 2030? I think I think it's I think it's very ambitious to be honest because um if you if we look at the various policies that have been given um over the last uh, I'd say 15 to 20 years everyone is always trying to uh, bring this figure down and it's very tough uh, but one more thing for me would just be when we talk about unemployment uh, we often forget about the people that used to look for jobs but decided that it was too hard so what are we going to do about those people <laughs> That's the that's the important question. How do you encourage them or bring them back into the economy? How do you excite them? But government will definitely find a way. Because Ramaphosa did say when he came in power, he said he wants to revive the economy and also boost job creation. So we need to stand by him um, as even business as well as um, public and private business need to support him in doing so. Um, but let's look at the consumers. So how do we sum up 2018? fuel hike. That's how we sum it up. Um, so the fuel increased by about 17 rand and the reason for that, the reason behind the increase was well, 17 rand per liter, I'm so sorry. But the reason behind it is that the average international product prices influenced it as well as the exchange rate pressures that the rand has been facing. So the rand has been quite, has been under a whole lot of pressure because the dollar has been strengthening because they have increased their interest rates and investors are loving it. So, um, so the so the rand has been weakening due to that, as well as the World Bank um, when it released uh, when it stated that it has cut its economic growth forecast for our country from about 1.4 percent to 1 percent. So they don't see that you know our country's our economy is going to get any better. Um, but we we should really look in a positive way. We've got the stimulus, the multi-million rand stimulus package that uh, Ramaphosa presented. So we really need to look at the efforts that are being presented to us to actually fix the situation. And the rand is at fourteen rand sixty-nine rand. Well, it was at fourteen rand sixty-nine rand today. Um, so, Zenele, just for you, in terms of uh, the the summit itself, what are some of the things that you are hoping um, to actually come out of this? As you said at the start, most of the time we have these conferences, people just talk and talk, and then, you know, nothing actionable actually happens on the ground. Uh, but what are you hoping will actually come out of this, uh, you know, for you in terms of engagement? For me, I think one of the biggest key things is that young people are able to present their ideas and that they're actually heard. Um, one of the things that Ramaphosa said, I actually refer to Ramaphosa quite a lot. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> one of the things he mentioned was that he wants to do away with the whole entire work experience yeah. um, that, that a lot of companies ask for. And I think that will help because that is a restriction. If you're out of varsity, where are you going to find three years of experience? <laughs> so, um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to them adding practical, practical things that can be implemented immediately, not long-term strategies, things that companies can implement today. 
you know, that they could revise their books and do today. Like they could be a financial plan to it, you know. You plan, you implement, you review, you adjust, and you go again, you know. There has to be a process to it. And then lastly, is the job summit something that the markets are, are can actually be directly looking at and reacting to? Or is it uh, something that we will eventually see when plans actually start um, being implemented? Um, so with the job summit, or with anything that is meant to make the, economy, the South African economy grow, it's really good for investors. They really get excited. But we haven't seen much excitement from it because the markets have been quite flat. Um, but an interesting fact that I read today was that in the first three months of 2018, um, our South African bonds and equities shrank from about $89.4 billion to about $16.6 billion. So that's a huge you know, shrinkage that happened. And that was due to a lot of factors, our our political stability, you know, a lot of things are happening in our country. But now that we are actually putting together structural reforms, that will attract more and more investors to come back and to look at our emerging market and say, yes, it's time to invest in South Africa again. So that was us with our financial expert. We're talking to Zanele Kunene, who is our financial expert from BDO Wealth Advisors, giving us a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. As you heard, uh, the big thing this week is the job summit that's actually being attended by President Cyril Ramaphosa. And some of the results coming out is the fact that South Africa's unemployment rate is actually sitting at around uh, um, 27.2%. Uh, 27.2% and I think Zanele alluded to the the fact that around 9.1 million people are jobless at the moment. Uh, the other key things coming through is just the fact that they, uh, we should be looking at some inflationary pressures as uh, the price of fuel uh, specifically has actually now touched that 17 rand mark and it's also putting a bit of pressure on the rand as well because uh, as things go up and at the same time the US dollar is actually strengthening it makes uh, the rand less attractive and at the same time you have your prices rising so it's putting a lot of pressure on the markets um, on the whole you heard that uh, the markets are actually quite positive because um, the job summit is happening and investors are actually keen to see if any good developments are going to come out from this so we wait and see and uh, possibly next week we'll have some concrete results around what the summit was actually able to achieve on the other side of this, we are going to be telling you uh, the state of your 100 rand. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into our Buffalo Index. That's the part of the show where we tell you the state of your 100 rand. And we have the lovely Tlingue to just give us that roundup. Tlingue? Yes. So, the state of your 100 rand. Things are looking very tight. <laughs> But um, as we have sort of managed to do in the recent past, we make the most of what we have. Yep. So since we're talking about intellectual property today, we're going to be looking at patents, designs, and trademarks. Um, there's some things that um, you obviously need to know or to do as a person or as a business if you want to protect yourself from somebody that's deciding that your ideas, your idea or ideas should be theirs. Um, but I warn you, it is going to be pricey and you will need a few <laughs> buffaloes. <laughs> yeah. So there's a different, uh, different categories. And the first one, like we said, is um, patents. So patents is basically when you have a new invention, yeah. you know, something that's novel, you bring something new to the market and you are looking to protect it. Um, you have to first do an, an official search to see if someone has already patented that idea already. And you can do some free searches online or get a company to do it professionally for about 3950 so that's almost 40 buffaloes and you, usually you'll do um, a provisional patent specification that gives you a year to play around um, and test the idea before you file properly um, if you have if you've done this with a lawyer you're looking at between 15,000 and 25,000 rands but there are cheaper options that are available like IDNAV patent toolkit online that's just under a buffalo uh, for just 60 rand after a year, your South African, um, um, you, obviously you would need to now officially file the, the patent and the application 
and you need to do this with an attorney and there you're looking at 8950 rand all the way up to around 25000 rands um remember that um this is just the local one um that when you're looking to protect your idea locally and then on to our second um, part of today's um, state of your 100 Rand, we're looking at designs. So we said patents um, protect your invention. Uh, and then in terms, um, but a design pr- uh, protection will protect like the actual shape um, of your articles. So maybe if you have a particular pattern on your um, fashion um, clothing or range, or you've designed a, a chair that has a particular shape that helps it function better. I know recently there was... Um, like foldable furniture that was designed and engineered specifically for small spaces. So something of that sort. If you want, are you looking to protect that particular design, this is what you would do. You would get these designs um, protected for a period of 10 to 15 years and you would have to pay an annual renewal um, fee. And the actual file application itself is only around uh, 2.4 buffaloes, which is 240 rand. But through a lawyer, your initial application is between 5,000 to 8,000 rands or 50 to 80 buffaloes. And then last but not least, we are looking at trademarks. So a trademark um, is going to protect uh, trading names and brands. So, for example, in terms of, you know, this particular term, McDonald's, um, or that yellow uh, big M, um, or the slogan, I'm loving it. So those are the items that you would trademark. The application fee for a trademark uh, lasts 10 years is 590 rand so just under uh, so just over five buffaloes um, you can do this alone but um, even the CIPC which is the Companies and Intellectual Property Commission advises that you want to be sure that uh, you go through a lawyer so you make sure that you know it's done properly and that'll go for about 3,000 to 7,000 brands mm, 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 mm. yes so you are studying science Yes, so which one so do you think you'd um go for a patent if you ever you know hit hope- on the next discovery I'm hoping like honestly I'm just like um, you know, you hear all these interesting terms that we touch on uh, in, in, uh, on the business buzz, like um, the fourth industrial revolution mm-hmm. and blockchain and this and that. Like, I, I mean, I want to come up with something so unique and so novel that it changes the complete trajectory of what it is, you know, that, you know, we understand as the future to be. I definitely want something like that to happen. But then I have to come up with the idea first before I can patent it. Mm. Well, we're hoping that you come up with I'm that hope, idea. I'm yes. hoping so too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of this, we're going to be getting into our main discussion. We are talking intellectual property. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. Welcome back to The Business Buzz. Today we are talking um, the issue of intellectual property. How do you protect your works either as uh, as a creative of some sort? And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the fact that, you know, scientific discoveries are a form of uh, creative intellect. Uh, but today specifically we're looking uh, more towards uh, artistry, things like music. We're looking at fashion and the like. How do you protect your ideas? How do you make money from your ideas? How do you make sure that other people don't profit from your ideas where you have put in the hard work to develop that idea? Very interestingly, uh, when we talk about this, um, uh, I am amused to think about 50 Cent for a moment because when 50 Cent first started in the industry, he actually trademarked his name. So from the beginning of his 50 Cent career, no one can use his likeness, his image, his name or anything like that without giving him some money. And if you think about the way that um, gossip sites and uh, a lot of people go about making products and, you know, kind of shifting just a young picture of a certain celebrity for nothing, you know. And so it was quite interesting, and I was like, that guy was really, really smart. Yeah. So you can let us know. Keep in touch with us in the conversation on Facebook. We have our FM, that's Voice of Viz. And you can also find our own Facebook page. We have the Viz Radio Academy Facebook page. And then on Twitter, we're at VowFM, and our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into our main topic, and we have our first guest on the line. So to, I'm, I'm sure after you've you've laboured um, 
hard and you have come up with original designs and original work the last thing you want is somebody else um, to be profiting off your hard labor so we're going to be talking to Tuelong Guyuza who's the founder of Tuelong Guyuza um, Collective Tuelo are you on a, are you with us there on the line I am, I am. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a day filled of interviews. Oh, (laughs) just one more, one more, one more for the road. So One more for the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our first question is just uh, just to get an understanding of what drew you specifically to the fashion industry. What do I do what? What drew you? So what what inspired you to to specifically join um, the uh, fashion industry? When you have obviously um, like a lot of other industries that you could have taken part in, yeah, I think I've always been a creative. Mm-hmm. I've always been somebody who likes to innovate, you know, come up with stuff. I remember it goes as far as back as middle school where I would take my mathematics book because it was the two choir <laughs> book that, and I would draw all the way at the back. But um, as I grew older and understood my craft, you know, I was channeled to making clothes because I love the idea of of constantly creating and not being stagnant in your creativeness so the idea that i could constantly create something and never stopped um especially when it comes to fashion in art in in general as a whole sort of drew me and lured me into creating this as a or turning this into a career and a business it sounds like you knew quite early on in your life that yeah. um, that this is what you wanted to do. I mean, in terms yeah. and, and looking at the education system currently, I mean, I mean, there's definitely schooling for the fashion industry much later when you look at like from tertiary level onwards. Do you, do you think that it would have made a significant contribution in your life if there had been something that um, specific available for you for you for very early on? Yeah, I think, I mean, I started business um, when I was still in high school mm-hmm. um, and because there wasn't um, art school or art classes or anything like that. So it was just mainstream business economics, your accounting, um, or you would do your your um, your physics, you know. So have there been opportunities like we have today where you go, you, you get to high school or you get to middle school or anywhere um, within your grade within your grade 12 and you, you sort of have that subject where sort of channels you. I mean, today's kids are, are very, you know, fortunate because they get to have like an art class, you know, when when I was growing up, because I, I think I matriculated at 2004, if my memory serves me well, and there wasn't anything of that, of, of that sort. There wasn't um, a syllabus sort of structure to sort of feed into the arts. Do you know what I mean? So you had mm. to go to tertiary in order for you to get an opportunity to expand on something that you really loved. Well, let's hope somebody from the Department of Education is also listening in. But <laughs> I hope so too. I hope so too. Moving right along, we just want to know, so what's the importance of protecting your work and your IP within the um, creative industry? I'll tell you this for free. It's extremely important. Um, as a designer, I've seen, I think when I was still coming up, because I literally started actively working in the industry in 2014 um, after I won a competition. And what I had realized then is that the same, the very same collection that I had put out, in, lo- in no less than a month, there were replicas of, mm. of, of, of similar items. And at the time, I was not very educated or very informed about what to do in regards to that. And I think also, you know, when we post through our social medias and we put other people's work out there, it's important to accredit, to sort of credit the, the person, the designer um, or the photographer or so forth. Because when people know who the, the garment is made by, it's easy for them to then contact the, the that very same person. Unlike somebody just putting out your work out there and without even accrediting, uh, accrediting you, rather, sorry, Karen, for that, mm-hmm. um, instead of crediting you, because then when you just put it out out there in the universe and you just say, I like this top or I like this dress, and you don't say who it was made by, um, any person can just go out and, and, and copy it. And I think also about fashion specifically because this is where uh, is my background I feel like there are no enough rules and regulations that protect designers and yeah. creators in the, in the industry I mean 
Um, last year, I put out a collection within my brand, and I called it Collective Culture, where I was sort of fusing um, um, sort of our heritage, our back, our African our cultures, um, putting it in, in, in a form of a twist with the modern. Because what I realized at the time is that a lot of my clients were coming and they were saying, I want a gown, but I don't want a Western gown. I want something that is fused with South African cultures. And after having done that, literally replicas of, of my work were put out there. And I would go as far as researching and trying to sort of like pull out a whole investigation for myself to try and find out who is doing this. And when you get to the to the to, to the source of whoever is creating this replica of yours, you realize that there isn't much you can do about it because of first and foremost the fabric that you use is not um, trademarked by you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's a treasure fabric. You can easily go and buy it in a retail store. Ten other people can do the same. So I decided to implement a system of creating my own fabric because in that sense, it's easy for me to protect it because I created it. You know what I mean? Mm. And nobody else can replicate it. But if it's something you can buy, if it's a fabric you can easily get at a retail store, anybody can do anything with yeah. it. There isn't much um, sort of like regulation that protects you as somebody who created something further out of that that protects you as, as, um, as an individual. So to our general public, like the, the listeners that are currently listening r- right now, so mm-hmm. like, like can make them understand like what impact does it have on a designer when they take your original work and they take it to a local designer and ask for it to be duplicated? What impact does that have, number one? And then lastly, what can they do to, to rectify the situation? I've come to believe that um, people know what they do when they do it. I don't mm-hmm. think people do things without um, the knowledge. I mean, I've had an incident, if you have a minute, I've had an incident where I went to a fabric store and this lady came with a picture of my dress and didn't realize that I was the one who oh, had done wow. it. She had no knowledge of it. And I remember she showed me, it's like, what do you think? So what do you think the, um, the designer, this, this fabric, I mean, on this picture was used? And I'm like, I actually made the dress. And I, I realized at that point that she was not even aware where the picture was coming from. The one thing that um, I will tell you it does, what, what this situation does to a designer is that it literally cripples us financially. Um, it's my, it's, it's, when, I, when I put out something out there, I'm trying to generate clientele mm-hmm. so that it creates a source of income for me. So it's like you're taking food away from me when you do that. And we are a growing industry. We're still a very small industry where we do not need such hiccups, you know, to sort of hinder industry because in order for an industry to grow, it needs to be profitable. So you're not only hindering me as an individual, somebody who came with the concept that you're hindering the industry at large because I would charge a certain amount for it. You can go and get it somewhere else for a cheaper uh, price. And then the quality is compromised. I don't know if you know what, I, what, I, what I'm saying. I totally so do. It, it's little things like this because I always say it takes little things to break something so huge um, like copying something and making a replica of it and sort of um, compromising the quality. Thank you so much. That was Tuelongu Yuza from Tuelongu Yuza Collective. And uh, he was just giving us a rundown of the impact um, of theft of intellectual property within the fashion industry. Thank you so much for your nuggets of wisdom, Tuelo. On the other side of this, we're going to be looking at the law side of it. How can you protect yourself? We have an intellectual uh, property lawyer uh, who's going to be letting us know um, how you can actually use the law to your advantage. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the Keep It Locked. This is The Business Buzz. The, The Business Buzz. We're talking intellectual property on the business bus today and it's time for us to move on to the next segment as we look now at um, the actual uh, legal landscape around intellectual property law. And on the line we are joined by Khali Kedijang, I hope that I pronounced that correctly, uh, who is uh, the owner and founder of The Creative Bar, which is a 100% black black woman-owned legal consultancy which aims to offer legal insights on intellectual property to creatives. Uh, They uh, specifically focus on issues around trademarks, domain name registrations, copyright, research and development agreements together with anti-counterfeiting. How are you, Hali? 
I'm very good, and thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being on the show. So as we begin, generally speaking, do you think that uh, South African artists are getting uh, the fair end of the stick as far as intellectual property is concerned, or do you think that they are often being uh, robbed? Well, I think that the laws provide a lot of protection. So in terms of the law, we've got very good laws that actually uh, uh, protect the artist um, and uh, say that um, whoever is the creator of, uh, of an artwork or content should the, be the one who earns the rights, therefore be compensated. So the law is very straightforward on um, the protection of artistic works, but the environment in which we were uh, and the oppression, the system itself, uh, in which um, art and culture works in the country, does not allow for artists to access those laws. The courts are expensive, the, um, uh, getting a lawyer thing to you Hello? Hello? Um, we seem to have lost Khali on the line. Uh, we're going to work to try to get her back on the line. Uh, but uh, as we just continue talking, um, I think it was very interesting because, you know, for me, the thing with artists sometimes, I feel like people don't know because uh, as much as we talk about them being um, victims mm-hmm. when it comes to um, having their work copied and all that stuff... If as a designer we are scared, uh, as a designer you what's it called? You see your design on the street. Mm. Can you really be mad if you never protected your work to begin with? I mean, it's quite un- unfortunate because. Hello. I can hear you guys. Oh, yes, we have Khali back on the line. Um, And uh, you were just telling us a little bit around uh, artists and uh, intellectual property. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Can you repeat that? No, no, I was just saying, before you got cut off, you were, oh, tell, you were yes. telling us around... Uh, um, uh, so, uh, basically, before I cut off, the long and short of what I was saying is the law provides um, uh, very clear protection for artists, but the environment and just the way arts and culture works and, and the systems that are put in place don't afford the artists access to their to their rights, access to their courts because it's too expensive. Um, big corporates often use their financial muscle to frustrate and strain um, emerging creators. So in that aspect they get robbed, but in the legal framework and legal policy we've got um, sort of a law that is uh, for creators. Um, and in terms of the creative bar, what services does the creative bar offer to creatives? Well, the creative bar, basically, we're art and technology lawyers. So what we're trying to do with our work is make an environment or create an environment um, in which uh, uh, creativity and innovation is profitable. So we're basically just looking at how we can best protect artistic work. So anything to do in the, in the realm of creation and innovation, how we can legally protect that so people can use those rights to get uh, compensation. So, and we have a big, because we're African, a big focus on the protection of indigenous and traditional knowledge. What we can do as Africans to make sure we safeguard our culture and everything surrounding who we are so that our generations to come can profit from the richness of the African culture. And we live in the digital area. Like, how, how can one protect the intellectual property, like, on social media where people can literally just grab content and share ideas as they, as they wish? Mm-hmm. The, the the tricky part of social media is that the, the the terms and conditions because they're providing a platform and you can either decline or accept um, their terms and conditions. So if you don't you're not happy with Instagram or Twitter's terms and conditions, you have an option not to use it. But usually these these social media platforms they terms of conditions allow that they own the content. 
So in terms, you agree to those conditions. So it's not something that you can fight. Mm. What you can do is be smart about how you post your content. So provide links to yeah. your work, you know. Um, so don't put your content maybe on social media or how you put your content. You must be very smart about how you put your content. But try as much as possible to always direct the traffic to your own site that you own and can control. And on a just slightly different tangent, we recently saw that with the South African actors, they're currently motivating for the adoption of the, the Performance Protection Amendment Bill, uh, which allows for yes. South African actors to, to claim a residual income for their work and, and on audiovisual mediums. What are your thoughts on this development and um, do you think that they'll win the case and what would it mean if they did or didn't win the case? Well, my thoughts are that I think in... Uh, I have been just following the, the, the conversations, but not really the bill, the conversations around why actors feel that it's important. But I think it's a valid claim because they are bringing the, the, these words and, the, and everything else, all the other art forms to life. And they need to be com- compensated um, uh, for that, for bringing the story to life and I think yes there's a big focus they say on producers who who yes uh, seek the content but I think you over we oversee who brings um, the story to life and how it's consumed so um, I am rooting for actors to 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 win uh, the bid do I think that they're going to win the case um I don't have a strong opinion on it at the moment because I'm just following the conversation but uh, I would like them to win based on um, I think they have a, a valid cry uh, uh, as creators and artists uh, now Hali um one of the things that we actually spoke about just now is the fact that a lot of creatives tend not to know uh, the types of protections that are afforded to mm. them by the law. And sometimes, uh, as much as we can feel sorry for people who have their works copied, uh, there's very little recourse that can happen. Uh, but from my understanding, there are certain works that uh, just by virtue of you producing it and it being in the public mm-hmm. domain, you are afforded certain certain um certain rights mm-hmm. even without mm-hmm. formally um going sure. to register or uh, going through a formal process of protecting that work yeah. uh, could you give us what some of those uh, works are and what type of conditions apply there so those are called copyrights so that's that right that you're speaking of that doesn't need formal um um uh, registration as a copyright and most of the uh, something most artistic works fall in uh, under copyright so it's your music your creative writing for literature it's um, your sound creation it's uh, your cinematographic film so movies it's your software development so um, artistic works in terms of fine arts um, um, all sort of the create um, so most of most of the producing those works would fall under copyright so um, and how you just what a, a piece of advice that I would give to artists is document your creative process so that at the end even though you have um, created this you can prove your creation it just makes it easier for anyone who if you have been infringed imprinted upon for me as uh, a legal representative to take on the case because you can show how you brought this creation to life. So if you're writing, let's say, like a piece, you can say various drafts uh, on it. If you're doing a painting, take pictures uh, every now and again. And I think it would be, not only would it help you legally, but I think it would be a good journaling uh, process for any artist. So that was us. We were on the line with Hali Kedishang, who is uh, the founder and owner of The Creative Bar, which is a 100% black-owned legal consultancy which aims to offer legal insights on intellectual property to creatives. Big insight for me uh, coming out from there. You heard what she said. She said you need to uh, document your creative process so that at the end of the day, even if you don't go and um, have, uh, if you can't afford, for example, having a formal um, registration you can actually then prove to say that I 
mob justice. Yes. I did this thing. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's it uh, on the law side of things. On the other side of this, we're going to be talking um, on the music side. We're going music. to be talking uh, with Luke Muyambi from uh, Spearhead Arts around what it means um, to protect your sounds. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Mob justice on the Business Buzz. We're talking intellectual property on the Business Buzz today. Remember, you can keep in touch with us. We are Vow FM, that's Voice of Vids on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter, that's at Vow FM, our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. We've spoken to an intellectual property lawyer we've spoken to a fashion designer, right now we want to switch over to the music industry on the line we're joined by Luke Muyambi who is uh, uh, the head of Spearhead Arts, he is the founder and he's uh, also on the creative side a producer and an artist. How are you Luke? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Mob Justice? Oh, and fine. Uh, I think it's Flingiri. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you, Luke. Um, as we begin our discussion, what uh, what is the actual business case, like in terms of um, getting money, record sales, all of that stuff, um, for protecting your, 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 your music as a musician in South Africa? Oh, so you're basically asking, how can I get music, how can I get money out of my music, essentially, in South Africa? Yes. All right. Uh, well, um, out of the ordinary way that people know, which is uh, performance, but from an intellectual perspective, intellectual property perspective, it's uh, actually when your songs get played on radio, um, each time that happens, you're actually supposed to get a royalty paid through to you. Uh, but for that to happen, you actually have to register your musical works with uh, the South African Music Rights Organization, which is a uh, collective management organization. Uh, their, their responsibility is just to make sure that they collect um, money from the radio stations every single time that your record is actually played and then they distribute that to you. And in terms of the general mood, Luke, what's, what's the general mood and sentiment in the South African music industry around IP? And um, is this something that people know about and that artists are registering, um, uh, artists registering their music? Uh, well, I will say that we, we are still in the, the beginning phase, although the organization has been, family has been here for quite some, some time. There, there's still a big gap in terms of uh, knowledge. So it's not a matter of uh, do artists don't want to actually um, notify Samuel for their works. It's more of do artists actually know the procedure and uh, what's actually supposed to happen when they actually uh, notify their works. And I will say that in, in that regard, very few artists actually know that uh, every time you actually make a musical work, you're supposed to actually register it so that you can actually get royalties out of it. Um, it's, it's actually quite a sad situation because uh, in South Africa we don't have any institution uh, that actually provides uh, this type of knowledge um, except if you actually go to the Samuel yourself to actually try and, uh, and inquire. There isn't a, a base way you could say I could actually go into the industry and learn how the music business actually works. Um, you know, unlike if, if you're doing an economics degree and you wanted to find out how money works in South Africa, you can go to a university to do that. It's, it's just rather unfortunate in the music business. You can go and get a music degree, let's say, at, at VITS, but actually coming out of VITS, you know mu- more about composition than about the music itself, uh, music business itself. That's the unfortunate situation that we face in South Africa. I think that's a great bridge to our next question, which is, do you mind explaining um, a little bit about royalties, SAMRO, and the different um, protections that are afforded to producers versus songwriters versus performers? Oh, okay. Uh, maybe let me start with, uh, with the different rights that producers um, actually get. Uh, the first thing that we have to actually do is uh, distinguish what type of producers we're actually uh, talking about. Just like um, the, the film industry, a uh, producer can be a director of a movie and can actually be the cameraman for the movie. It's similar within the, the music industry where a producer can actually be a musician and can actually be a beat maker within the production of, of, of a song. But uh, from the traditional producers, this was basically a person who would get the right musicians to come in and, uh, and play the song. But uh, because we're evolving, producers are now actually the composers of music. 
So uh, nowadays you get um, producers in the olden day didn't necessarily have to get any royalties because their work was more of an administration job. They would come in and put in the right musicians together to, to make a song. The producers nowadays, we find Anati actually sits down and then he makes a beat and then he makes, uh, he composes a song and then AKA comes in and then he rests over it. That in itself is a form of uh, composition. And we're in a position where in South Africa, we are struggling to get uh, producers acknowledged for their side of, of the composition because the industry is still stuck with, uh, with, uh, with the old traditional way to think that a producer was mainly that guy. But we're beginning to see that producers are actually more and more getting involved on the compositional side. Um, songwriter basically it's a person who actually comes in and and and, and writes the lyrics to the song or the melody of uh, of what um, uh, the, the lead singer is actually supposed to sing over the instrumental itself. So in the old traditional uh, sense, you would find that songwriters actually owned uh, the 100% of the song. But nowadays we're transitioning where beat makers and the songwriters uh, can actually share a split in the ownership of the song where, uh, because the beat maker actually made um, the music and composed what the music was doing in the background. And the songwriter composed the lyrics and the melody of what the singer was actually doing. We're getting to a position where we're getting a 50-50 percentage split uh, in, in terms of the ownership of the song. So what that means is if the song actually gets on radio, technically it's supposed to be split between the musician who actually uh, sang on the song, the songwriter, and, um, and the beat maker, the producer who actually produced the song itself. I don't know if I made sense in that area. Absolutely. Um, Luke, um, going forward, would you then advise, because one of the things you alluded to earlier on was just the fact that um, there isn't a a one-stop shop where people can get this knowledge. So do you advise that people um, actually go and uh, enlist the services of of an intellectual or uh, music uh, specialist lawyer, for example, or do you or are there resources that you would advise uh, some of the up-and-coming producers and musicians to actually go look at uh, perhaps um, websites or um, books that they can read that will better educate them? Oh, okay. Um, I, I will re-emphasize what you were that I've just said before. Um, unfortunately, in, in SA, we are in a situation where um, uh, everybody else knows about the music business except the musicians within the business. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, if, 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 like I said, if you, you're, you're coming to Vince, you've got a better chance of understanding the, the music business, if you come into this and you do a law degree, then you actually come into this and then you do a music degree because in the music department, they're only going to teach you how to perfect your piano skills. This is how do you understand copyright? How do you get a better chance of understanding that if you actually go to uh, and, and do law? Um, so engaging a lawyer would be pretty, pretty expensive, but we are in a situation where they, they, they actually hold um, the, the keys to the industry. They, music business is basically a law-based contract. It's, it's a contract business, so they actually hold the keys to the industry. So what I would say, if you are a starting musician, obviously a lawyer would be, would be too much for you. But um, across the road from this, you've got the South African Music Rights Organization, and they seem to have all the information that you might need to actually uh, maneuver yourself, navigate yourself um, in the music industry. And the best thing about that is that they give you all the information uh, free. So I would say the first place that you actually need to visit to actually get uh, most of the information that you need might be to actually visit and try to get as much information as you can about your craft uh, before you actually even start engaging in in doing your craft. But um, this is different to if you are actually thinking to actually engage a record label and actually get signed. Uh, there I would say you would need to actually engage a lawyer so that you can have your rights best um, represented. Because at the end of the day, even though you get the information that you do need from Samuel, um, it's still a contractual business and you would need a lawyer who's going to read through the fine print 
to actually understand what you're getting at the end of the day. To avoid those situations where you would feel like, okay, I have been exploited for my work, but it wasn't. It was, it was basically because you find what you didn't know you're finding, essentially. So, you heard it from Luke. He is saying that you need to go and educate yourself about your craft. Uh, go and visit Samro. You heard that the information is for free if you're a musician and just educate yourself. Um, getting in touch with a lawyer can be expensive, but if you're going to be engaging with a record label, then definitely you need to get a lawyer. On the other side of this, we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, thank you to Luke Muyambi. He is the founder, producer, and he's an artist. Uh, he is the head of Spearhead Arts. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. We've come to the end of the show. Thank you so much to everyone who uh, listened. Thank you to uh, everyone who participated. Thank you to Luke. Thank you to Khali. And uh, how do you pronounce Tuelo? Is that how you pronounce the name? Uh, that for his just name. Give, yeah his yeah, name yeah. um around the fashion industry mm-hmm. um the legal implications and lastly the music industry mm. your takeaways it's important to do research about whatever field it is that you're in mm. i think that was the main takeaway for me and find out what um knowledge is freely available for you to access mm. and um for the for the stuff that obviously um costs money mm. try and do more research so that you're not paying premiums um um, for work that you could have done for at more affordable rates i think it just boils down to research Okay. For me, big takeaway is what Khali said first about documenting your creative process so that mm. you have proof. Uh, but the other one for me was uh, what Luke was saying at the end. I think it's, uh, you know, for any of our listeners out there and perhaps part of the business team, you know, a business opportunity for <laughs> you to create a one-stop shop for providing information yeah. um, to musicians and artists around yeah. uh, protecting yourself. Knowledge uh, is power. And knowledge is power. So that's the end of the show um slang you how can people keep in touch with us on the show so they can find and follow us on voice of its fm 88.1 and they can also follow us on the fo- following social media platforms on facebook we can be found at vow fm voice of Vits and Vits radio academy on twitter we are at the handle vow fm our hashtag is business buzz on whatsapp we are available at zero eight four zero seven eight Four nine one two. They can also stream us live on www.vowfm.co.za, and our podcasts are also available um, on www.vits.journalism.co.za/business. So, with that, we've reached the end of tonight's show. Thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, that's Elna Schutz, uh, together with our producer, Welcome Lee Shiva, and then our technical producer, that's Kotluano Gwench Serame. Don't miss the business bus. Same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Coming up next from 7 to 8 p.m., uh, we have uh, the team from uh, Life Beats coming to the studio. From myself, Mudio Mob Justice Kavaza, Slang Uazondo, and the rest of the team is good evening and take care. Peace. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Bauer FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.